I, as I was praying about this service, I, of course, considered going back to our series on prayer, and uh, I just couldn't feel like tonight was the night to do that, but I, I felt something totally different tonight, and uh, it's nothing profound, um, nothing just overwhelmingly deep, and probably not one of those uh, messages or lessons that you're going to go on and on about and remember forever, but I really feel like somebody here tonight needs this Bible study, and um, so I, I just want to try to obey the Holy Ghost and um, share with you what I'm feeling on my heart. I, I do believe that in the simplicity of the things that I want to talk about tonight, somebody, somebody's going to get a hold of something that they need tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so... Uh, I say to the rest of you tonight, if this is not what you need, if you'll stay in tune with the Holy Ghost, the Lord may just interject something along the way that you do need. Uh, but if you tune out, you're not going to hear anything from God tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. But if you'll stay, stay in tune, you might be surprised at what the Lord has to say for you. I'm going to do something a little different than I normally do as far as text. Uh, on rare occasion, I will do this, but I'm going to read more than one passage of Scripture. Uh, as a text tonight, we're going to start in the book of Romans chapter 4, and then we're going to Romans chapter 8, and then to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I feel confident that if you're paying attention, you will pick up on a common thread in these verses of Scripture. Amen. Romans chapter 4, and we will start with verse number 20. The Apostle Paul, of course, is talking about Abraham. And uh, I've said before, this is, this is one of my favorite passages. Outside of salvation and, and apostolic doctrine, uh, I love to read this passage and to glean from the things the Apostle Paul said about Abraham. Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, the Bible says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. Going now to Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 and 39 Romans 8, 38 and 39, the Apostle Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am persuaded. And then 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. Again, it is the Apostle Paul who's writing, and he says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things, Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
Paul said, I am persuaded that he's able to keep what I commit to him. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor any other thing can separate me from the love of God. And he said that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform. And so I just, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to say preach, but I'm, you can't tell I'm doing my best to pace myself tonight and try to save my voice as much as possible. I finally have enough where you can hear me, and uh, I don't want to lose that in the first five minutes. Praise God. <laughs> so I need you to do a little bit more uh, so I don't have to, all right? Hallelujah. The more you get with me, the more I can kind of pace myself. And if, if, uh, if I don't think I'm getting through, I'm going to start screaming louder. Hallelujah. And I don't want to do that. All right. All right. But I want to I talk to you for a while tonight about being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Would you put your Bibles down and let's, let's ask the Lord to talk to us tonight. Could we do that, everybody? I want you to sincerely ask God to speak to your heart tonight. I want the voice of God to ring clear in this service tonight. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Let's praise him together, everybody, before we're seated, can we? Let's praise him together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise your name, Jesus. You're so wonderful, Master. You're wonderful, Master. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Jesus, help us tonight. Help us tonight, God. Help us tonight, God. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The word persuade, of course, means to convince When we look at what the Apostle Paul is telling us, when he speaks of persuasion and being fully persuaded, he's talking about having a confidence in God. In fact, this is not in the notes, and I'm going to start off wrong already tonight, but I want you to go over and go to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, another one of my favorite uh, verses of Scripture. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says in this verse of Scripture. Being confident of this very Being thing. Being confident. Right? Everyone say confident. confident. Everyone say confident. All right. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun, which hath begun a good work in you. Will perform, will perform it until, it the day until the day of Jesus, of Jesus Christ. Christ. The Apostle Paul said, I've got a confidence about some things. This word confident is, is from a Greek word that, that is perhaps one of the strongest in the language when it comes to having a belief or, or believing in something. It, it means to be fully and firmly persuaded or totally and completely convinced. It means that Paul had absolutely no doubt in his mind about this subject. Amen. And this is what he is talking about in these verses of scripture that I have read as my text tonight. 
He's talking about getting a persuasion, allowing ourselves to become, amen, convinced about some things. Let me tell you, church, we are living, I don't have to tell you this, you know this, but we are living in a very troublesome age. We're living in a time when all of the world is upside down. We're living in a time when most of the world thinks right is wrong and wrong is right. We're living in a world where he that does good is despised and he that does evil is celebrated. We're living in a time where everything that we believe in and everything we claim to believe in is going to be tested. It's going to be tested. Amen. I'm going to tell you, the devil's not the only one that's testing it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. Listen to this. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath He's promised. promised. Saying, yet, yet now once we're talking more. about God. God said, yet once more, I shake, I shake not, the only, not the earth only, but also, but also heaven. heaven. And this word, yet, yet once more. Read. Signifieth. The removing of those things that are shaken, as of these, or of, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, a lot of times people say it this way, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But I want you to understand where that comes from. We're not talking about the devil shaking things. We're talking about God shaking things. Listen to me, church. I believe that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, God is going to put some things to the test. And God is going to allow us to go through situations where we really find out what we believe and what we don't believe. I believe we're going to be presented with opportunities in our life where everything that we say is dear to us is going to be put to the test. Not just because the devil's attacking us, but because God wants to show whether or not we are as fully persuaded as we say that we are. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. I have, uh, I have told some people in the past, I've had folks that, that have done things and, and uh, you know, they, they felt bad afterwards and and uh, they made wrong decisions and did bad things and, and uh, then came and said, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that I, I chose wrong. And my, my response to them many times has been, well, I'm going to tell you something. When you fail a test, get ready to repeat the test. Because God's going to let you keep taking that same test until you pass it. God's not just going to promote you on. So once you've failed it, just get ready. Somewhere down the road, it may be years from now, but you're going to face that same test again. Let me tell you something, saints of God. I believe, I believe that God is going to allow things to happen to us. God is going to allow things to come into our life where those of us who shout so much about the holiness we believe in are going to be tested as to just how much we really believe in holiness. Well, hallelujah. I believe that every one of us are going to be put to the test and we're going to find out just how much we really believe this message. We're going to find out whether or not we believe that there's only one way to be saved and that's through repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We're going to be put to the test, Brother Thompson, and we're going to have to prove whether we really believe it or not. I'm going to tell you, God's going to give us some tests. God's going to give us some tests. And I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to let people we really love <clears throat> go off into things. And then we're going to have to answer for who we love more. Do we really believe this message? I'm going to tell you, when people that we love and we respect and we look up to walk away from the message, are we willing to stand true to the message? 
or do we start following them? Do we start making excuses for them? Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, saints, something. Please hear me tonight. And, and you know, you know, 20, almost 22 years now, you know you've watched me. You know I don't get up here and, and pound the pulpit about obeying the pastor. I, I just That's not the way I operate. It's not the way I do things. But you also know I believe that's a scriptural principle. And I would dare say that every one of you would say you believe that. But can I tell you, the time will come. You're going to be put to the test. And God's going to find out if you're fully persuaded. Hallelujah. Praise God. I had uh, many, many years ago, uh, somewhere between Canada and Mexico, had a lady that was uh, wanting to do something I didn't feel good about. And uh, she was determined, I'm going to do it anyhow. And uh, so I talked to her about it. And, and she said, well, I, I am fully submitted to you, but I'm going to do this. I said, now, wait a minute. Submission is not just doing it when you agree with it. That's obedience. But submission is when you don't agree and you do it anyhow. That's when God puts us to the test. That's not really my message tonight. You're getting quiet on me. But listen, I just want to tell you, God is allowing this world to be shaken. And I mentioned on Sunday, I'm seeing now where even, even groups, entire organizations that claim to believe this message are letting down on this very basic apostolic message. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to come our way. And we're going to have to stand for what we really believe in. And God's going to find out what we believe in. Well, praise God. God's going to shake some things. And so I'm telling you, the only way we're going to stand what is coming is if we can get fully persuaded. Now, again, this is not... I'm just trying to give you an introduction. But I do want to talk to you tonight. I want to try to help somebody. I really felt this prior to service tonight. I want to help somebody with a few things. Because I believe that you're walking through a very shaky time right now. But God's got some things that if you can be fully persuaded about, you're going to make it through what you're going through. Well, hallelujah. I'm already feeling my voice starting to go. you got to help me tonight. Praise God. I'm telling you, I believe, I believe, I believe that there is somebody here. In fact, probably more than just one somebody. But somebody here is facing some difficult situations. But there are some things, if you'll be fully persuaded about, then it's going to keep you through the shaking. It's going to keep you through the test. It's going to keep you through the trial. If you'll be fully persuaded about some things. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to talk to you about three things. Three things we need to be fully, fully persuaded about. Amen. First of all, from our text, Romans chapter 4. Let's read the setting here. Romans 4 verses 17 through 21. We only read the last two of those, but we want to back up to verse 17 and read the context here. Romans 4 verses 17 through 21. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was eight, about an hundred years old, neither yet the darkness of Sarah's womb. He struggled not at the promise of God through unbelief, but as strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was well or able to do. All right, now now let's let's talk about this passage of Scripture, for if you're Doing your Bible reading, you should have just read this not too many days ago. 
not Romans, but the story of what's going on with, with Abraham. But here is an old man who uh, the Lord is speaking to. And he said, I have made thee a father of many nations. God changed his name to Abraham before he became the father of many nations. God spoke something that was not at that moment true, but I've said so many times before, this is why God cannot lie. Because as soon as God says it, it becomes truth. Abraham may not have been the father of many nations at that moment, but when God said it, everything started into motion to bring it to pass. But you put yourself in Abraham's shoes, almost 100 years old, his wife 90 years old. She's had no children, and God says it's going to happen. What a promise. What a promise. A woman that's been barren for 90 years is going to have a child. What a promise. But God can speak it and start the wheels in motion. And the Bible says, he meant that Abraham against hope believed in hope. Now listen to what I'm telling you. All of hope was telling him it's not possible. Hope was gone. But against hope, Abraham mustered some hope. And his hope was this. If God said it, he can do it. It may not be possible in my body. And it may not be possible in Sarah's body. But it's possible in the hands of God. And so my hope doesn't rest in me. And it doesn't rest in Sarah. But it rests in God. Because God is able to call those things which be not as though they were. And once he does, then they become what he has called them. Against hope, he believed in hope. Amen. Amen. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. And then verse 20. I love verse 20. It says, he staggered not. Now think about that. Here's the way I see it, Brother Thompson. Here's this man trying to please God, a man that's desired a son, and, and he wanted a son that came from his beloved wife, Sarah, but he's lived all these years without it. All of a sudden, a promise from God comes along and just hits him square in the face. And what would have knocked most people down, Abraham didn't even stagger. This is the promise I've been waiting on. This is the promise I've been looking for. And I don't care what it's looked like all these years. I don't care how many times it hasn't happened in the past. What I know is God said it and it's going to happen. And verse 21, being fully persuaded. There's no doubt in Abraham's mind. There's no question in his mind. If God said it, he's going to do it. I want to tell you tonight, church, the first thing we got to be persuaded about, we've got to be fully persuaded that God is able to keep his promises. Now, thank you to the half a dozen or so that are saying amen and the other half a dozen or so that are nodding your head. But I want to preach to this church for a few minutes. I don't care what the last 22 years have said. I don't care what the last 12 months have said. I don't care what's going on. I am fully persuaded that he which has promised is able to perform anything that he has said. I'm saying fully persuaded, fully persuaded, fully persuaded. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear what I'm about to say tonight. Because I'm not encouraging this and I'm not asking for this. But I'm going to tell you right now that if everybody that's under the sound of my voice 
gets up and walks out and never comes back, I'm going to be back in this pulpit on Sunday and I'm going to be preaching God is able to keep his promises. God's going to send revival. God's going to do what he said. God's going to fill this building. God's going to give us another one. I am fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able to perform. Hallelujah. We got to be fully persuaded. You got to settle it in your mind that I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what's happening. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't care what the situations are. Against hope, I'm believing in hope. Against hope, I'm believing in hope. Let me tell you something. I want you to look. Hebrews 11, verse 13. Listen to this. These all dead in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the now, earth. I want you to see this. These all did what? Yeah, well, they died, but they didn't just die. They died in faith. Do you understand what he's saying? When they drew their final breath, though they had not received the promise, the Bible says, though they themselves haven't seen it, when they drew their final breath, they died believing God's still going to do it. I may not see it with mine eyes, but God's going to do it. Come on, somebody. I want somebody in this building tonight to quit letting the devil lie to you about things that are not going to happen. I want to tell you, whatever God said would happen, he's going to stand behind his word. He's going to keep his promises. You can be fully persuaded that God is able to keep his promise. My faith is not built on circumstance. My faith is not built on situations. My faith is not built on what I see. In fact, get your Bible. Go to Hebrews 11 and 1. And I could quote it for you, but I, I just like, I like to hear it out of the book. Hallelujah. Now faith is faith the substance of things the substance hoped for. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And it's the evidence seen. of the things. What? What? See, if we're seeing it, that's not really faith. I'm talking about with our physical eyes. doesn't take much faith when you see it with your physical eyes. But when you don't see it. When all of a sudden everything looks the opposite of what God's been saying he's going to do. Real faith says, I don't care. I don't care. Devil, you're not going to convince me that the God I serve, who has never told a lie, is going to start lying now. It's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to lie. It's if he wanted to lie, he couldn't lie. Because when he says it, it becomes the truth. Hallelujah. If God spoke from heaven right now and said it is noon in Olathe, Kansas and 70 degrees, now, if I said that, it'd be a lie. But if God said it, the clock would either go forward or backward. And the temperature would change. 
That's why God can't lie. Once God says it, it becomes the truth. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That promise that the devil keeps telling you is not going to come to pass. You better understand that the moment God said it, all of hell may have decided they're going to try to stop it, but they don't have enough power to stop God when he speaks it. I am fully persuaded that God is able to keep his promises. You've got to be, you've got to be fully persuaded as well. Hallelujah. You've got to be fully persuaded as well. The second thing we've got, Lord help me tonight. I can feel it going out. <clears throat> the second, the second thing that, that we've got to be fully persuaded about. Amen. Romans chapter 8. And verses 35 through 39. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love Who's of Christ? Who's going to be able to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation. Is tribulation going to be able to do it? Or distress. Is distress going to be able to do it? Persecution. Persecution. Or famine. Or nakedness. Or peril. Or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed. All the day long. Now, I wonder, this is just free of charge, but I wonder, what, I wonder what those who believe in the prosperity gospel think about this verse of scripture. For thy sake we're killed all day. It doesn't sound like prosperity to me, but anyhow. All right, read. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are Accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Right. Nay, in all these, in all these things, things, we are more, than, more conquerors than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more us. than conquerors through him for, that loved us. For I am persuaded I that neither death nor life, that neither death nor nor life, angels, nor angels nor principalities, principalities, powers, things present, things, present, things, to, come, things to come, nor height, height nor depth, depth, nor anything or any other creature. Or any other creature. What? Shall, be, shall able be able to separate, separate us, us from the, from love, the love of God, of God which, which is, is in Christ, in Christ, Christ our Jesus Lord. our Lord. Now listen, here's what Paul said. I don't care what it is. You name it. You speak it. Whatever it is. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Paul said, I'm convinced there's not one of those things that can separate me from the love of God. Now let me tell you something. I want you to understand this clearly. There is one thing that can separate you from the love of God, and that's you. If you decide to quit loving him, that's your decision. But you've got to make that decision. You hear me? There is not a devil big enough to make you fail. There's not a devil big enough to force you to backslide. There's not a devil big enough to make you grow bitter. There's not a devil big enough to make you throw in the towel. There's not a devil big enough to make you lie and steal and cheat. They're not big enough or strong enough. But God is able to keep you. Not only can God keep his promises, but I am fully persuaded that God can keep his people. That's us. You hear me? I'm telling you, when God brought you into this church, he didn't bring you in to leave you alone. He didn't bring you in to throw you out on an island and forget about you. He knows the struggles you're facing. He knows the battles you're going through. But hear me, child of God. God is able to keep you in every test and in every trial and in every tribulation and in every power. God is able to keep you. Oh, I feel this tonight.
I'm telling you, when God saved you, he made an investment in you that he doesn't intend to lose. Now, I'm going to tell you, I know better, for me, I know better than to try to put my money in the stock market. Now, if you know how to do it, more power to you. But I know better than for me to do it. That's all I'm saying. I don't trust my judgment because I don't know the first thing about stocks. All right? I don't have a clue. And I know that if I, as sure as I make an investment in something that's on the rise, the minute I put my money in it, it's going down. That's the story of my life. And I could, I could tell you so many stories. I'd have you feeling so sorry for me tonight, you'd take up an offering. I've watched people do things and, man, just it seemed like, you know, just the simplest little things and make good money off of it. And I try it, and the minute I try it, nobody's interested in it anymore. I know this is way before some of you were even born, but uh, there was this craze that went through America where everybody wanted Cabbage Patch dolls. Now I'm talking about, you know, they, they tried to resuscitate them and bring them back from the cabbage patch and wasn't quite the hit the second time around but but those that are old enough to remember the first time they came and uh, I'm talking about in the in the early 80s and uh, when they came through I'm telling you you could they couldn't keep them on the shelf and people were I mean they were they were selling those things for hundreds of dollars that first Christmas that rolled around, that Cabbage Patch dolls were available. There was no store that had them. They couldn't keep them. And the people that did have them, I mean, they were making hundreds and hundreds of dollars off of everyone they bought. Does anybody remember that? So Christmas passed, and I walked in the store, and they had one. I said, I'm saving this for next Christmas. I'm going to make some money. All I did was spend the $30 it cost me for that stupid doll. Because by next Christmas, something else had come along. All right? I mean, I, I'm just telling it's just the way it is. It just doesn't work for me. I've watched people take old cars and restore them and then make big money off of them. I had an uncle that had a 1966 Buick Electra 225. Now, ah, it needed a paint job. But it didn't really have that many miles on it. And uh, I thought, you know what? He sold it to me for $700. And I thought, boy, for $700, I'll put this, I'll give it a good paint job. I'll get this thing looking nice. I'll be driving in style. Now, this is, uh, this is the late 80s, early 90s, all right? So this car's an antique by this time. And uh, I had it painted a midnight blue. Everybody that saw it called it the Batmobile. Had little wings on the, you know, not the big huge fins, but just, you know, the little small fins that came out on the back. And it had a 120-inch wheelbase. That's, that's 10 feet from, from front tire to back tire. I mean, Brother Riley crawled into the trunk of the car and laid down. I mean, flat, stretched out. Uh, in fact, we took... We took uh, our five, and I think he had four, to nine of us in that one car. Is so big. I was determined. I'm gonna make. My, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn this into a nice car. Well, I'm gonna tell you, the more money I spent on it, the more it fell apart, and the more money it required. And by the time I got done, I couldn't give the thing away. Sold it for scrap. Now I'm telling you the truth. So I'm not good at investing. But I'm going to tell you this. I said all that to say this. When God makes an investment, he knows what he's doing. And God doesn't invest in lost causes. Because with him, no cause is lost. You hear me? The moment that God called you out of darkness, he invested in you. 
And because he invested in you, that means he saw some value there. He saw some worth there. He saw that he could make something out of you. And God's not going to lose this investment. I'm telling you, God's got plenty more where the original investment came from. And he's going to keep investing and keep investing and keep investing because he loves you. You hear me tonight. Somewhere along the way, you've got to get fully persuaded that God can keep you. You don't have to backslide. You don't have to quit. Oh, I feel like saying this tonight. You don't have to give up. If you do it, you choose to do it. But if you want to hang on, God's going to give you the strength. If you want to make it, God's going to give you the grace. If you want to be saved, God's going to give you the power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody get a revelation of what I'm telling you tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Look. I've said this before, but I feel like saying it tonight. Really, there was no difference between what Peter did and what Judas did. Judas sold the Lord for silver. Peter sold the Lord for his own hide. Peter knew he's going to be put to death, or he thought he would, if he admitted to knowing the Lord. So he denied three times that he even knew him. Even tried cussing a little bit to prove to everybody he didn't know him. You ought to think about that. I can almost get sidetracked and teach a separate lesson right here. And the way Peter wanted to prove to others he was not a follower was by cussing. Hallelujah. Oh, well, a word to the wise, praise God. Of course, now, look, one of these days I'm going to have to teach a lesson on sound speech because we have our own Pentecostal cuss words. Yeah, we do. We don't cuss, but we find ways to say the same thing. All right, another lesson for another day. You're going to quit on me now. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna bail out. You're going to bail out. I'm going to step on somebody's sacred cow here in a minute. And we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. So I'm trying, trying to be nice, trying to be nice. I got words of encouragement tonight, not rebuke. Praise God. I might throw in a sneaky rebuke once in a while, but I, really I got words of encouragement overall. Praise God. There was no difference. There was no difference between what Judas did and what Peter did. But Judas died lost. And Peter became the spokesman of Pentecost. Now, there was no difference in what they did. But there was a big difference in how they reacted to what they did. Because when Judas did it, the Bible says he went out and hung himself. He just gave up. He said there's no sense in trying anymore. And so he took his own life. But the Bible says of Peter, when he did what he did, he went out and wept bitterly. Peter found a place of repentance. The difference between the two was not in what they did, but in how they handled it. And I'm going to tell you, if Peter can recover from denying the Lord, then you can recover from whatever you happen to fall on. It's up to you whether you want to get back up and try again. But honey, as long as you want to, 
God's going to be right there with his hand extended. He wants to help you get back up. God's not looking for ways to destroy you. He's not looking for ways to send you to hell. He's looking for ways to save you. Praise God. Let me tell you. I gotta be careful. Elder Garrett told me, he, he pointed out to me, and I've noticed it since then, it does make a difference. But he, he told me, he said, when you start getting excited, he said, what, what I've watched you do is you start raising the pitch of your voice. And rather than getting louder, you're getting higher. And when you do that, you're really using the wrong muscles and you're gonna strip your voice out. So I've taken that to heart and I try when I think about it, to drop the pitch of my voice, and it really does help. So, so uh, I'm trying to get down lower. I can say my voice again, all right? Praise God. I want to tell you just how much God cares about keeping you saved. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 1, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Who are what? Who are what? Is anybody paying attention tonight? Who are what? Who are what? You're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Now look, this word kept in the original is really a military term. What it means is garrisoned. What Peter said was that God has put a garrison of angels around you. You hear me? You're not in this alone. I don't care how lonely you feel at times. I don't care how isolated the devil may try to tell you that you are. You can't see them, but there is an army of angels that are around you, and they are there to fight for you. The Bible says that they are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to the saints of God. There are angels encamped round about you to keep you safe if you'll just ask God for his help. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Psalm 34 verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them. The angel about of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. Them. And he does what? And he does what? He does what? Listen to me, saint of God. You don't have to fight this battle on your own. You don't have to try to figure out how to escape. There are angels around you, and they are there to help you through your trials. Amen. Psalm 125 and verse 2. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem. So the Lord is so round the about Lord his people is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Are the mountains going to bail out on Jerusalem? Are the mountains going to walk away from Jerusalem? Are the mountains going to collapse or give up? If Syria and Jordan and every other country over there decides to attack, are the mountains going to go into hiding for fear they might get bombed? Well, let me tell you, the Bible said just like the mountains are around Jerusalem, in the same way they are there, just as steadfast, just as sure, just as immovable. That's how God and his angels are around his people. The only way that you're going to find yourself without God's help is if you walk away from God's help. But as long as you want it, he's there to help you. I'm telling you, you got to become fully persuaded. Not only can God... God keep his promises. He can keep his people. 
Jude, chapter 1, verse 4. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before uh, the presence of, the, of his glory with exceeding joy. Do we believe the Bible? Do we really believe the Bible? Come on, I'm not hearing enough of you respond to that question. Do you believe the Bible? All right, when the Bible says that he's able to keep you, there's no exception in that. He didn't say he's able to keep most or he's able to keep some. But he's able to keep you. That means everybody that picks up that book and reads that verse, you are the one he's talking to. Hey, 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 we tell people that's what Acts 2.39 means, right? For the promise is unto you. That means you and you and you and you and it means me and it means my children and to all that are afar off. Well, it's the same thing in Jude 1 and 24. I'm telling you, he's able to keep you and you and you and you and you. God is able to keep you from falling. That's what he said. God can keep you from falling. God can keep you. He has the power to keep you from falling. And believe it or not, he can even present you faultless. Say, oh, not me. Oh, yes, you. Just like I said, there's no devil big enough to stop God. I'm going to tell you, your faults, your weaknesses are not too big for God to handle if you'll let God handle them. Whatever it is, whatever your drawback, whatever your flaw, I'm telling you, God's able to present you faultless. Now hear me. Part of that's going to be he's going to take you through some trials. He's going to let you walk through some fire. He's going to burn some things out of you. He's going to put you to the test. He's going to put you back on the potter's wheel and mold you. He may have to crush you a few times. But if you'll let him, if you'll submit to his spirit, if you'll surrender to his will, I'm telling you, he's able to keep you, me, everybody, and to present us faultless if we'll let him. The problem is we don't always like the process. When God tries to get some fault out of us, we don't really like the way he does it. And so we fight against what he's doing. But hear me, as long as we remain submitted to his will and surrendered to his spirit and we let him do what he wants to do with us, he has the power that by the time we get to glory, we can be presented faultless. Some of you still don't believe that, but it's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. He can do it. So God is able. I am fully persuaded God's able to keep his promises. I'm fully persuaded God's able to keep his people. And the last thing I am fully persuaded about. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. 1 Timothy but, but 1, is, read. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed. I am persuaded, I am persuaded, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. God can keep his promises and he can keep his people. But I want to tell you, God can also keep our possessions. 
Let me explain, because you got real quiet on that, and I didn't hear any amens. So obviously you didn't understand. That's why I want to explain. Hallelujah. That's what I'm here for, to explain. When the Apostle Paul said he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him, the commentators are divided. They have a lot of ideas as to what it was that the Apostle Paul was, was talking about when he said that which I have committed unto him. Had some of the commentators say he was talking about his soul. Had some commentators say he was talking about his ministry and, and whatever. But I got to reading this and I got to looking at this. And I got a little bit different take on what it was exactly that Paul was talking about. That God could keep what I commit to him. The word committed in the original Greek really means deposited. It's that which I have deposited into his care. Well, when I realized that, I thought about Matthew chapter 6. What did Jesus say? Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Right? But lay up, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth neither nor rust nor rust corrupt. corrupt, and where thieves do not, do not break, break through, through nor, steal. nor steal. When I'm talking about God keeping our possessions, I'm not talking about earthly possessions. I'm talking about heavenly ones. I'm talking about the prayers that we pray. I'm talking about the commitments that we make. I'm talking about even the tears that we shed. God keeps every one of those things. God's got it marked. God's got it noted. The devil can't take it away. Oh, hallelujah. This is why Jesus said, don't worry about trying to build a big bank account. But you just pray and you fast and you work and you reach out to the lost and you shed some tears. You spend time in an altar. You come to church and worship. Because when you do that, you're creating possessions on the other side. And the devil can never take those things away from you. He can never steal those things. The God that I serve is able to keep everything that I send before me over there. Can I tell you? I want to tell you, there have been times in my life when I've been so sick that I really couldn't pray the way I wanted to pray. I wanted to, but my body, I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the ability it just wasn't there. But hear me. You know what God did? I believe God looked back and he saw the consistency of my prayer leading up to that time. And I believe God went and got some of that. He'd been keeping it in store for the Nelson for just a time like this. Somebody told me the story of a man who got up every morning and prayed from five to six every morning. All of his life, every day, five to six he prayed. Every day. And one day he came down with cancer. He was dying. He was in a hospital. He slipped into a coma. And the doctor said there's no hope. But one day he woke up. The family didn't understand what was going on. But somebody started asking, said, I just want to know one thing. Said, how was it that every day between five and six, his vital signs increased? He's in a coma. He can't talk to God. But I want to tell you what was going on. He had enough record. He had enough things laid up in heaven that when he wasn't able to do it, God came down and did it for him. Hear me, saint of God. This is the kind of God that we're serving. He's not looking for ways to write us off. He's looking for ways to bring us in. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. I got to... I got to try to come to a close. I got to try to come to a close. I'm, I'm telling you tonight that those things that we're doing, 
in our prayer time, those days we just don't feel like reading the Bible, but we do it anyhow. Those days when we say we're going to fast, and boy, we wake up just starving. But we go ahead and we push the plate away. I want to tell you what God's doing. He's keeping every one of those things. And he's remembering. Because the day may come. We're not going to be able to make that investment that day. Now I'm not giving you license to skip and be inconsistent, all right? You understand what I'm telling you? I'm saying when those days come that you can't. God sees. And God knows. And he understands. God sees the intention of your heart. And I'm telling you, God loves you enough that when you're not able, he's got a store of things you've already sent over there. And he can reach into that storehouse and start pulling them out when he needs to. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, please understand when I say to you tonight that we must become fully persuaded of these things. I'm not just talking about you understand the principles that I've set forth tonight. I'm not just saying that you accept the facts that I've laid out. Or that you comprehend the truths that I've shared. We're not talking about acceptance or comprehension, or understanding. I'm preaching to you about being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. See, if you can get to a place that you're fully persuaded on these things, nothing's going to be able to shake you. Nothing's going to be able to cause you to be lost. Nothing's going to be able to discourage you to the point that you're ready to give up. If you're fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded. I don't see it. But God's going to keep his promise. I'm fully persuaded. I'm struggling right now. I'm going through a difficult time. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to make it. Hear me, child of God. When you say, I just don't know if I can make it, you know what that tells me? You're not fully persuaded. You're not fully persuaded. If you say, I don't know if I can make it, you're not fully persuaded. But if you'll get fully persuaded, the answer is, I can make it, not because of me, but he's going to help me make it. And with his help... I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't have the ability on my own. I don't have the power on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not good enough. But God is. And through Him, not only can I make it, I will make it. Through him, the promises will be fulfilled. Through him, I am going to be saved. And through him, everything that I sin before me, God's not going to forget that. Listen to me, saints. God sees. I just feel like saying this tonight. There's a time that some of you have made some sacrifice for the kingdom of God. Whether it was in giving in an offering or in fasting or prayer, you made a sacrifice. It cost you something to do it. All right? And to this moment, you really haven't seen much of a return on what you did. But I want to tell you, God's got it stored up. He hadn't lost it, and he hadn't forgot about it. Sometimes 
God lets it build for a while. And then he really compounds it and gives you a blessing bigger and greater than you could ever have imagined. I just feel like telling somebody tonight that sacrifice that the devil tells you was wasted. God still got it. It's still on his books. And the day is coming. He's going to repay you. In fact, I just feel like telling you he's going to repay you many, many fold. I wish somebody believed that tonight. In fact, I wish somebody was fully persuaded of that tonight. Because it's not what's happening right now. It's not what's going on right now. God's not bound by our clocks or our calendars. God's not bound by our schedules. But at a time when you least expect it, the Holy Ghost is liable to drop some big blessing right into your lap that you just didn't even think would ever come. I feel that tonight. I feel that tonight. I'm telling you, if you can become fully persuaded, then you'll be able to say what the psalmist said when he wrote, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. That comes when you are fully persuaded. Let all of hell bring their war against me. I'm going to walk through that too, Brother Thompson. Let every devil in hell be speaking my name. Somehow I'm going to get through it. Not because I'm big and tough. But because I'm fully persuaded that whatever God allows to come my way, God's got the power to keep me through it. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord tonight. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus.